Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. The ACA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by Dr. Anthony Coxon, these podcasts explore the science, art, philosophy, and politics of chiropractic, as well as reviewing the latest research and discussing how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice. Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. I'm your podcast host, Anthony Coxon. As a keen Essendon Football Club supporter, I've recently uh, been watching the series on the Essendon Football Club. So when someone talks to me about uh, eras, I instantly think of Dick Reynolds, John Coleman or Kevin Sheedy. But uh, putting aside the sporting um, analogies here, today we're talking about the era of Matthew Fisher, because as members, you'll now know that uh, Matthew, after seven and a half years, is sadly stepping down as ACA CEO. And so we thought it would be appropriate today to, I guess, reflect and celebrate um, the influence that Matthew has had on the ACA and indeed the profession. Before we get into the discussion, just a little bit about Matthew's background that you might not be aware of. He completed his Bachelor of Science with Honours, Graduate Diploma in Dietetics and PhD at Deakin University when, he was, uh, when it was only at Geelong. Uh, during that time, he worked as a paid lifeguard along the surf coast beaches after being delisted from Geelong Football Club uh, in the under-19 squad. He took up a position as a community dietitian health promotion in child and family services at Broadmeadows Community Health Services and lectured in nutrition for sports performance at Victoria University. Through Vic Uni, he provided high-performance advice to Footscray Football Club, uh, which led to the high-performance unit and academy now part of the Western Bulldogs. Matthew had a brief stint as a public health research fellow at Deakin University, implementing novel approaches to obesity management. He moved into management of nutritional services at Epworth Hospital and moved to Sydney to be the head of the nutrition Westmead Hospital. Fast forward to his C roles, firstly with the Australian Dental Association, New South Wales branch, and then of course later with the ACA. He was fortunate to have attended courses at Harvard Business School and London Business School, but rates his best accomplishment as being dad to Bo and Sam. Matt was awarded a Doctor of Health Studies honoris causa uh, for assisting in the establishment of the dental school at CSU and improving regional health services. There's been many highlights, but all have focused on improving performance and public benefit. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the ACA podcast. Well, uh, thanks, Anthony. And lucky I'm still only about 30 or 40 years of age, but uh, a lot of <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't we all wish that that was true. Um, so look, you're, you're, it's been a, an incredible journey, but I wanted to uh, perhaps start with talking about the transition from uh, CEO at ADA to CEO at uh, ACA or CAA as it was back then. What was, what was that like and uh, did you really know what you were walking into? <laughs> um, well, it's funny in, in chatting to, I, I still remember the interview and I, I'd recently spoke with Taylor Vag, and um, so Taylor, Mark, Uren and Laurie were on the final interview and we we're in a, a building in Sydney where there was no air conditioning and we we're all in this cauldron and, and maybe that was indicative of what was to come. Um, <laughs> in terms of the first AGM and I can recall at that stage of 
saying, I was looking for a challenge and boy, have I come to the right profession to find it. And I think, you know, seven and a half years on, um, that has continued to happen um, each year. And I think when you think of the achievements as a group um, that we have done, it's been significant. So I, I think it's the similarities, um, university educated, uh, regulated healthcare profession, valued services, there are the similarities and being done through an office-based practice Chiropractors are then have, have got some nuances that then um, are quite specific in terms of public perception, and that's been the really interesting work I think we've been doing as well. So, um, no, I don't think I truly understood. Stayed focused on what we're doing, took good advice from people, formed good networks, um, and and then tried to make it as as we have from there. So one of the early challenges was the um, moving of the office. And of course, there was all talk about, we you know, would they relocate to Melbourne and uh, from Penrith? But uh, in the end, it was Parramatta. Tell us about that move. Well, probably um, the shock for me was going to Penrith. Beautiful spot, but not the place where you really locate uh, a national organisation. And um, I, I think given what had gone on with the not going to Melbourne and the impacts on staff, it was then important to set a corporate office. And so we went to Parramatta and the office is great. Everyone's got light and, and there's space and things. And it was part of the cultural change. Um, I think that moving from, at that stage, what was quite an operational board to getting a board into governance was important. So there were many things that were happening at that time. It was um, the staff of working with the board of where are the strategic directions going, moving from Penrith to Parramatta and, and then trying to set a course which ultimately led to getting into restructure. So um, always taking the view, you can do a lot of juggling of different uh, balls. You've just got to make sure you know which ones you can drop and which ones you can't. And I think working with staff, it was quite clear about what we needed to do to set a platform for the future and equally working with the board in what it needed to do to set a platform for the future. And, and you've, been, you've been a significant uh, person in that journey. Um, when you think of uh, the first conversation, real conversation you and I had, and I, I sort of said to you, you might be my boss one day, and um, I think fast forward to a few years and, yes, you became my boss on one day uh, with that when we restructured. But I, I can still recall where I was sitting in my car when we were having that discussion about the futures. And, um, uh, gee, it, it did occur. I absolutely remember that conversation. And I also remember laughing it off and saying, no, that'll never happen. And uh, there, there you go. Here, here we are. Um, for those outside of Sydney, just to understand, Penrith is a fair way out from the CBD, but a lot of the stuff did follow, um, follow in to, to, to Parramatta. Is that correct? But, yeah, they did. So Penrith is, is a, a, a beautiful spot on the banks of the Penn River. And with all the floods that went on, recently, but it's at the foothills of the Blue Mountains. And if you think about the history of the association and John Sweeney 
had an office up in the Blue Mountains. And so that's where it was. So successively, it has come down the mountain. Uh, and yes. so it went from the Blue Mountains to Penrith. Parramatta, which is the demographic heart of, of Sydney, and it, it's, it's a large business centre and city in, it, in itself, most staff came, a few staff didn't. It gave a, a chance to start some change at that point. Uh, it was probably as far as the staff could be taken geographically at that stage. But in the end, it's worked well, good public transport access. It's starting to become a, a thriving cultural hub in itself. There's a, a, a very strong anchor to uh, the Indigenous culture around Parramatta. It's also where the first government house um, of the Australian colony was and the things like that as well. So there's a significant amount of history to it that um, uh, is there to be enjoyed. Um, but it did take the, the, the staff to a new centre and that started the whole sense of the increasing professionalism in the platform that we were doing. So there were, uh, it was a big job for you in the early days, um, I guess, getting all the structures in place. But the big thing really to work towards uh, was the move to um, from a federated model into, into a national model. Talk us through that sort of um, that conversation. Well, federation models um, uh, have got some great strengths, but also some inherent weaknesses. And, and we've been seeing that play out uh, in the pandemic in, in many respects. But I think the whole nationalisation had failed um, at that point. And it was a matter of improving the performance of the CAA National, because until the performance of CAA National improved, why would you commit to a national entity? Yeah, And it was quite clear that it wasn't going to do that whilst it stayed as it was. Mm. And so the first part was to improve the performance, to take that out of the argument a bit more. And then, um, as you recall, when we were sitting up, uh, I think it was in Brisbane, when we were looking at a response to the first issue around paediatrics, you know, the crack that was heard around the world and trying to broker a federation agreement to a statement. Um, and, and how difficult but successful that was. And that then became, I think, part of the platform to say it could work. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was about how information was presented and provided. So some of those symbolic ones, improving the performance, having an issue that we had to deal with collectively, getting engagement with all of the presidents and the different boards to then set a plan to the future. And when you look at it, it was achieved quite quickly that in, in the context of um, nationalising a federation, it did happen quite quickly. And, and fast forward now, we're three and a half years on and many of the successes can be seen as a result of that decision. Um, it was, again, interesting to look at where people tried to blow up the process in different ways um, and all about power and control and things like that. But I think the collective group of presidents and branches stayed focused on what does the future look like for the profession 
if the Australian Chiropractors Association becomes a single entity and can improve its performance on behalf of members and the profession. I think that's a great analogy you made earlier about comparing it to um, how the state governments have worked through the pandemic. And I think most people look at it and think, gee, wouldn't this be better if one main government, the national government, was just managing this and we had consistency across borders and other things. And, and I think you're absolutely right. The, um, I think that some of the things that we did well and that you steered through very well was um, taking time, um, not trying to rush the process, uh, even though in the end it did happen relatively quickly, uh, getting people on board and getting the CA national, particularly from a financial position where you could see, no, we things were in control now. So we went from having a significant deficit set uh, eventually up to a surplus. Uh, things were moving very well. So that gave the, the membership confidence. And, and in the end, um, all the uh, state and territories uh, voted um, in, and, and often unanimously. Um, it was, I think it was a couple of hundred percenters and uh, a few high 90s um, as far as membership vote, which is extraordinary. Um, and that that's led us to um, through to restructure into the national ACA that we have today. And I think the profession is definitely in a better place for that. Um, so I want to move on to uh, WFC and your address at Berlin. We were both um, at that conference and a few interesting things that happened there, but talk firstly about the, the keynote uh, address that you presented at WFC. Look, the, when I look at highlights of my time with chiropractors and the Australian Chiropractors Association, it has been WFC and specifically about um, the delivering the John Sweeney address, which wasn't long after John had actually died. And um, I'll, I'll just quickly talk about the others. And, and the first uh, WFC I went to, which was in Athens, and I was speaking to Laurie Tassel recently and remember sitting with he and Libby and, and we were discussing futures. Um, I was this unknown person coming in and starting to do networks. And then uh, we went to Washington and, um, um, you know, Scott Charlton and I shared a train. Uh, we went to New York and then ultimately caught the train down to DC and um, more influence was starting. And I think the, the culmination end up, it was a privilege to be invited by Richard Brown, who's been a great uh, support and colleague in the entire time to present. Um, certainly, and as, as you know, Australia was the real focus. We'd had um, uh, a baby dangling event um, as it was being being portrayed and, and a whole range of things. So tensions were high, interests were high. We'd had many different things have gone on and it was about the Australian story in the context. Um, I know you and I were, uh, many people were asking us about what's going on. We had a lot of side meetings and conversations during that time, but to stand up and present um, on behalf of John's family as well. It was a real privilege. Um, and, and talking about the futures and this whole sense of becoming a trusted advisor. So it was, again, setting that scene like what we've been doing. It was well received. Uh, I was very humbled by the response of the people and then the commentary outside of that. And yes, it's been published, but um, it was it was a highlight and I know you and I were working hard behind the scenes with many of the different meetings we were having 
with people like Lise Hesbeck and, and Katie Polman and others to try and get a good sense of what we needed to do to position ourselves well for the Safer Care Victoria uh, review that consumed most of 2019 for us. Mm, absolutely. It was that, I think, while we were at one of those side meetings, um, we received notification about the CBA's uh, interim policy on um, providing care for uh, children under two, um, and, and in particular, uh, the ban on spinal manipulation. And they went to lengths to, to describe specifically what that meant. And um, I think that was a uh, yeah, that was a, that was a difficult time, but but it was good to be in that environment for us. Even though we were outside of Australia, as you said, we had access to a whole lot of people who uh, had been very helpful in preparing uh, you and I and the uh, ACA for what was to come with Safer Care Victoria, which is uh, I guess the segue into this part now. So, um, tell us about the the Safer Care Victoria experience from from your views. Well, in in many respects, um, the being in Berlin at that time meant that we almost had 24-7 coverage because with the time zone difference and I was looking at things and, and Bernard Rupert-Singer's policy and public affairs was looking at things, we had this amazing time zone coverage and I think we, we noted about some of the terms of reference that also came out. It, it, it's also um, in that time that uh, a person I've got great respect for with Wayne Minter as chair of the board. Wayne and I travelled to Berlin together and travelled back to Australia together. It gave us a lot of time to talk about many things, particularly literature and a, a whole range of things. But um, it, it gave a, a sense of what was coming. And I know when when the board and particularly yourself and, and myself were looking at the appointment to the panel and what we needed to do and how could we best position knowing that in, in some respects it was a potentially loaded deck coming at us. Um, but I, I think, again, as an organisation, we approached it really, really well in terms of engaging with networks, looking at the um, our review that we did. And I... I I've gone back to look at what we published in our submission and I think it stands the test of time. It, it's something that we could still be drawing on to do what we needed. And, and with Jen Keating being on the board, uh, that um, there was a lot of time, emotion, um, intelligence, talking that went on to best position what we needed to do. And then meeting with all health ministers and and I, I must admit that minister hunt has been very um giving of his time and views uh, about what to do and you know and again in fast forwarding to forwarding to the end of it when um jen and i had received the report that was going to go and we we'd been speaking and i think we both lost a degree of sleep that night and i waited for the next morning to ring the minister to seek his advice and uh, he he gave me some advice on on ways to approach and i really appreciated that and as you know that um it, it set a course of action that that caused a bit of grief mm -hmm. um but it was a principal matter 
to to stand on and um uh i think we've learned a lot as well it anchored a lot of relationships it meant that even in the past year been meeting with either ministers or their advisors to get a sense of their views and their comfort and and where they might be going um i would be hopeful that they come to the view that the regulatory system as it stands works appropriately the matter should be referred to the chiropractic board of australia to to deal with and then the board can do what it does as empowered by law whether that's um, a change of regulation or not um, that would be the rightful place rather than how it was played out particularly in the media with agitation groups in the background Obviously, Jen uh, was awarded Chiropractor of the Year for her commitment to um, Safer Care Victoria and all the work that she put in. And uh, I think the association and the profession are extremely grateful for your role there and your principled action and standing up when it was really, uh, really needed, we really needed you. And, um, and I think that was really important. Also, the fact that we were able to, um, through your network and developing that, um, get really good connection and have uh, the right sorts of conversations with the right sorts of people on health departments right across Australia. It was, I think we're really solid in that um, area, much more than we ever have been, uh, particularly for a profession that really only represents less than 1% of the uh, health workforce. And I think um, also really uh, unfortunate that COVID has been, another, you know, it's taken many, uh, many people down, but the fact that this has been such a protracted uh, end point you know we, we really would had not had it not been for COVID had this all wrapped up I would say two years ago so um, hopefully in the next you know in the coming months in the early first half of next year at the very least um, this will finally be at an end and I think the uh, Delphi study the pediatrics uh, consensus uh, guidelines that we're looking at through the American Chiropractic Association in a joint um, study with the Australian Chiropractic Association uh, through Cheryl Hawke and, and Jen Keating, I think that will just add a level of professionalism and comfort to stakeholders as well as guidance to chiropractors so we can really move not only to get out of this mess, but also move well beyond it. Yeah, look, I, I think um, we've stayed consistent to what we put to the um, review. And I think the piece of work that we are doing about the framework and consensus is a great piece of work. And um, again, what we're showing is that we can be trusted in being true in our word in what we are saying to act in the interests of the public who are accessing uh, services provided by chiropractors. Chiropractors, we know, provide great care and, and um, the, the patients are, are very loyal and love um, the care provided, but it also puts it back in a framework of the best practice um, to continue to move that forward. And that, that's the right space to be in. It, it's all about demonstrating that public benefit and contribution because that will keep the profession in the game. So another good win that we had from an um, advocacy uh, perspective was uh, the Fair Work Commission. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? That, that was a really interesting time. And I remember um, presenting to the full bench of the Fair Work Commission. And, and again, when you talk about where we sit in the whole scheme of things, there was 
the Business Council of Australia, there was all of the unions and um, other health groups, including dentistry, uh, were presenting. And in the end, what was the key feature we, we got, which was the, the expanded scope of ours. And that took a lot of time. Um, the, the, the presentation to the fair work was where the lawyers from the unions were trying to lead me to stay, say a, a certain statement which you could see where they're trying to get to. And so it was a, a, a fun game of chess. Uh, with that, we had good legal advisors, uh, we had good information, and it was about staying on script, and we got the results. So um, there's a, a legacy one that, uh, that will go on, and I think it's provided some comfort to the structure of business to enable business to get on. And I guess all these uh, achievements didn't go unnoticed uh, outside the profession. The ACA um, has won two business awards um, while you've been CEO. Mm. Yeah, look, the, the first one was a national award through Associations Forum, the turnaround of the year, and, and it was great. Um, it was really exciting um, for us to receive that. We're up on the up on the Gold Coast and there's a fantastic photo of the excitement of everyone that we received very recently, which is the Western Sydney Business Excellence Award for Professional Services. And this is the first time this one had been offered. And um, uh, we we won. Um, I could break into we are the champions, my friend, but um, <laughs> it was great. And again, it in, in terms of in that whole context of... Um, you know, affirming the role that staff have in great service in the difficult circumstances. And it, it is a great accolade for us as a team. And it included um, our reconciliation and action plan. Show. So it actually showed the depth of what we do, not only in providing services to our individual members, how we're trying to contribute to society and a better society, but also how to act in public interest. And, you know, I, I think we should all be proud. I think members should be proud that um, in a competitive field that we provide, and that was great. I think it was somewhat ironic that the actual trophy, I guess you would call, uh, that you were awarded for the um, Western Australian Business Award was in the shape of a teardrop. And um, when you um, presented at a recent staff meeting and told the, the, the whole staff about winning that, that was also the same time that you were telling the staff about uh, stepping down from CEO. And over the seven and a half years, you've developed a great culture at, at the ACA. And uh, I know for a fact that the staff were um, quite upset that you were going. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, how you've sort of developed the team approach and particularly the difficulties that you've had uh, through COVID and working from home? Culture always prevails and, you know, the whole sense of a group of people coming together, whole lots of different life experiences. But it, it, very simple from the start, um, I've said, let's perform, enjoy, contribute, develop. And you can look at that in a whole lot of different ways. Equally, uh, and I remember saying this when I first started at the Dental Association, we're on, a, we're on a journey on a ride here. You can choose to be part of the journey, equally you can choose to not be part of the journey. And we can have that discussion as well. 
So in, in terms of, I take a very developmental approach because ultimately um, if people are performing, then you want them to continue with you. And so you make it hard for them to leave because they're enjoying the environment. Um, equally, if they are in a part of their life where they want to go to the next best thing, we've set the bar for what they do. We've done some quirky things like disc profiling where people get to learn about communication from an upwards, downwards, sideways. So it's not all about one person. And people need to think about what they do and how it impacts others and how do people take on messages, uh, messages as well. But to, to own an area and explore boundaries. I'm not going to set the boundaries. You explore them. If you want some guidance, then happy to give that. Also, if you make a mistake, own your mistake and look at what you might do. And I think this terminology we often hear in um, sport much more now is win or learn. And you know, this whole sense that life is full of mistakes, just learn from them. Don't cover it up, own it and get on. And I think that's been been the culture. Um, look, it was very sad because um, I was in a different place in making the announcement and where I was with that versus dropping the bomb. And uh, I know for the staff that might be listening to this, yes, the, the first F-bomb that came out um, <laughs> was quite funny um, with that and um, the rest was muted. But, um, look, a great mob of a great mob of people who want to do the best for the ACA and the best for the members. And again, I will take this opportunity to say to members, most of our interactions are really good. It is important to be respectful at all levels. And yep. um, the staff are working hard. It's been difficult through COVID. I think we've done that really well where we moved out in March 2020 and have not really been back since. And we have done this all collectively in a very open way, in a very caring way, but with the view of how do we be the best we can be on behalf of what we're trying to do. And I think that the quid pro quo there is um, people might have their anxieties and stresses and things like that, but there is no place to then vent them um, on, on people as well. So um, you've raised the bar, Matthew, for uh, the ACA team and for uh, uh, the ACA organisation. Where, where to from here? How do we maintain and develop that platform even further? Um, look, I, I think we've put a lot of structural things in place. Um, this is about structure, process, vision. And clearly we've set the vision and we want more we want more Australians to experience the value of the care provided by chiropractors. No one's going to argue about that. We know that once someone comes into your practice, they value that. We're trying to get more people to have that experience and value. So I think that's in place. I think structurally we've got strategic directions that um, will anchor that. And then the staff have been allowed to own their areas I, I think it really does come down to how decisions are made on what is the basis of the information and how good or credible or robust is it? What is the implication for the public and decision makers? What are the implications for the profession and the provider? And it, 
it's one of those, I think Paul Keating said it beautifully in terms of uh, to pause and reflect, that we get into a situation where we'll keep delivering a solution if we don't take time to pause and reflect on is that the best choice we do? Have a good sense of where you're trying to get to and think about how you're going to get there. So that's the jigsaw with that. I think we've got a lot of that in place. And I think the opportunity now for the ACA and the ACA board is to look at, as I jokingly say, the next horse to saddle up with. Um, so the next person to take it on that next part of the journey. But structurally, I think, uh, structurally, I think the ACA is in a good position. I think the profession has some challenges as we know from our consumer survey we've recently done, again, reputation and standing, but we're already thinking about what to do there. I think the whole thing of the consider a Cairo, the reputation and standing work, all of those are the platforms to be successful into the future. Well, Matt, look, it's been a, an absolute uh, honour and pleasure to be working with you both the three years as I was president and the, um, I think the three or four years prior to that when we had uh, a relationship while I was uh, uh, either president in uh, Victoria or on the uh, transition committee. I think you've definitely left the ACA in a better place. It's always um, a sad time when a CEO that you really uh, love and appreciate um, leaves the organisation. Um, but, you know, eras do come to an end. Um, and I think this era has been a, definitely a, a challenging one. But I think you've really managed yourself and the organisation superbly. Um, you've elevated the level of professionalism uh, within the organisation um, there's no doubt about that. And you leave big shoes for the next CEO to, to fill. And um, we'll definitely be expecting those shoes get filled uh, now that you've set uh, such a high standard. So thank you for everything that you've done. Um, good luck for whatever comes next. I think it's more just a, a bit of a, a break and a sabbatical. It's not uh, moving into another position, as I understand. No, look, and firstly, I'd to acknowledge... Um, you, there are other, other people like um, Andrew Lawrence and Laurie, uh, John Devoy, Warren Genders, a whole range of people, um, both within and then, uh, you know, I've talked about Wayne Minter and Mike Shawbrook and others who have been quite instrumental in me being able to go to, uh, to get good advice and, and considered advice as well. In terms of people have been asking me, no, I've got nothing to go to presently. I'm, I am going to take a break um, to recharge. I feel that I've got a fair bit to offer. I've just got to find the, the thing for that. Um, I've been humbled by the sentiment from members. Some, I have no idea who they are, uh, but they've taken time and I've, I've tried to answer that each time. And then through my professional one that's been humbling. So nothing to go to. Um, I'm watching the journey of, of um, you know, Donna has, has started up her business since she finished at Qantas and Sam, the youngest, is, is doing his commercial helicopter licence and I was even recently chatting to my eldest who's in America. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him at some stage. So it'll be three years because of COVID by the time I get there. So I want to just take some time and do that and then, then see where it all uh, 
Paul gets to. Otherwise, I might need to get a shopping trolley and a whole lot of plastic bags. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, hopefully you won't need to go quite that far, Matt, but definitely do enjoy uh, life at a slower pace. Um, you deserve it. And um, and thank you very much for, for everything you've done. Uh, well, that's it for me. Thanks for listening. I hope you found this podcast interesting and I look forward to chatting with you again on our next ACA podcast.